All right, and welcome back to the Talking Preps, or as this week we'll call it the Talking Books podcast. I'm David Levake, running solo today, but I'll be back with Jim Paulson to talk about what's happening on the ice and on the court and on the wrestling mat and all those things uh, soon. But in the meantime, I had two books that I wanted to put out on your Christmas shopping list or gift list, and one of them is called, they're both written by authors who have ties to uh, local high schools. One is called Chasing Influence, Transformational Coaching to Build Champions for Life, and that is by Troy Erdahl, who is the longtime activities director and baseball coach at St. Anthony Village uh, High School. And the other is called The Shot, The Reed Larson Hockey Story, as told by Reed Larson and Jeff Olson. And Reed is a product of Minneapolis Roosevelt, uh, in the, in the next, uh, standout for them in the, in the mid-1970s, went on to win a national championship with Minnesota, uh, went on to several-time All-Star at the, at, the, at the NHL level with Detroit, and so and it's it known for a booming, booming slap shot. And so this book gets to all of that, and uh, uh, so we're going to get into each of those. I talked to each author, and we're, we're going to run them back-to-back on this on this podcast. So sit back and uh, hope you enjoy learning more about these great books by these great men. Thanks. I'm here today with Troy Erdahl. We are discussing his new book, Chasing Influence, Transformational Coaching to Build Champions for Life. How are you, Mr. Erdahl? I'm fantastic, David. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. I, I got a, the story I like to tell with you. I think I put it in the paper years ago, but I had come to St. Anthony Village to write about, I think your baseball team had qualified for state and you were having a practice and I was coming down to talk to you and some of the players about about what you were up to and whatever. And, and I, I was watching as I walked in, uh, I was I think I came in up high and then the field was sunken down below, right? Am I remembering that right? I think, Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep, exactly. You're hitting infield outfield and you, you hit the, the the ball that was intended to be hit to the left fielder, you hit over the fence. <laughs> so a so nice swing. Those days maybe have uh, come and gone, but uh, a fungo bat can do amazing things for a guy. <laughs> Very good. And you're doing amazing things with this book and I'm, I'm really interested to hear um, how – you know, I'm always curious where things come into play. It's it's a book that um, you've, you said that you've spent the past two years working on chasing influence, but really it's you've spent a lifetime. So, what is it that made you commit the the information that you've got, the insight that you've got? What made you commit it to a book right now? I think it's a combination of factors, but it culminated on a quarantine in Mexico. Uh, the family took a vacation to the Riviera Maya, had a wonderful week, felt great. But as we um, attempted to leave the country, I tested positive for COVID. And mm -hmm. so it was it was that moment where I really started to capture um, an opportunity that really could have been awful. It was the equivalent of house arrest, uh, where <laughs> I said, you know, I, I've I've been a consumer of so many other people's wonderful ideas, and we do that in coaching. We we borrow. Um, that I, I need to do a better job of sharing, and that this could be a wonderful opportunity for me to to be a contributor uh, rather just than a consumer. And so you looked at doing a book straight out. This wasn't just a a memo. This wasn't just an email. This was this was going to be a book in your mind. Well, and I am um, I enjoy writing, and I've I've done the equivalent of a weekly newsletter with uh, 
character education lessons for the better part of I don't know, 15 plus years now and, and um, did my doctoral work on athlete experiences. And so I've done a lot of writing. My my mom, dad, brother, they're all writers. And so people would ask, you ever going to write a book? And I'd, I'd quickly say, I've, I've got nothing to write about. Um, and and that, that seemed like the, the key for me is to write a good book, you need to have something to write about. And that's when the the inspiration came to me was in that week in in Mexico, where I've really been writing a book for the better part of two decades without knowing it. And if I had a way to weave all these wonderful stories together, I might have something good that others would enjoy and benefit from. And so um, what what ended up happening is I thought if I have a, a transformational coach, if I have the central figure where I can build all these stories around that person, that I, I could I might have something here. And And I spent that week kind of fleshing out what that transformational coach might look like, which became an amalgamation of all those wonderful coaches that I've had over the years. And then some of my wonderful mentors along the way too. I have been lucky to be surrounded by fantastic people for my, for my lifetime, especially my professional career. The key character in the book is Stick Olson, but that's a, that's a surname. That's a, a fictional name. It, can you, are you able to divulge the, the, uh, the real life inspiration for Stick Olson? Well, happy to. And it was part of the inspiration on the beach in Mexico was um, I was telling, I was reading a book and the book was talking about um, Satchel Page. And I just turned to my wife, Rebecca, and said, you know, I think Tink Larson batted against Satchel Page. And and it kind of started to unravel from there. Mm -hmm. um, I called Tink from, from Wasika, a coaching legend in the state of Minnesota. And I started picking his brain about it. And I thought, Tink could really be the basis of this fictionalized character, um, Stick Olson, and and Tink has such a wonderful um, life story and the the positive influence that he's had for decades, for sixty plus years of coaching. But he's also had some real tragedies in his life, and so the combination of ups and downs in Tink's life, if I could fictionalize it and include some of my own experiences, some of the coaches I've had, some of the people I've been able to work with. Um, I, I could build this coach that could tell a wonderful story. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and did that narrative style, did that come from anywhere? I know you talked about in your book release, you talked about having a, a style similar to Tuesdays with Maury, the great book by Mitch Album. Was there, is there another place that you've gone, went for inspiration to, to put this fictional yet fact-based story together? You know, I love storytelling. And as a history teacher, I really value the power of of narrative, and I think if we can put, um, if we can craft stories in an appropriate way, if we can tell a good story, whether it's spoken or or written, I think it really captivates one's attention, um, and it's one of the best ways to learn. And that's really what I tried to do with it: is can I use a fun story to help people as leaders, as teammates, as coaches? Because really, it, it's a leadership book that. Is written in a different way. It, it borrows a baseball storyline, and it does focus on coaching and educational leadership. Um, but really, it, it's good for anyone that's interested in leadership or just simply being a better spouse, um, a, a better sibling, a better friend, um, better coworker. And and that was what I was after. Was you know, if, if my purpose is to make the world a better place through sports, and that's why I show up at work each and every day. Um, this gave me a vehicle and an opportunity to really live. Oh, that purpose and, and feel that purpose. 21 chapters in the book. I, I, I will call it a heading. We'll call it an intangible, whatever you want to call it. But each one has a, a different. So, for example, there's relationships, there's purpose, there's leadership, mastery, wellness. Are any of those 
did any of those topics come easier for you? Uh, and were there any that needed a little bit more research to flesh out? You know, that was the joy of writing the book. And, and people will ask, um, they'll ask, are you going to write another book? And I, I quickly answer, if I got another idea, but right now I don't. In, in this case, uh, I had an idea. And after that first week and kind of sketching out an outline, there wasn't one day where I had writer's block. There wasn't one day where I didn't enjoy the process. What I've learned is I, I loved creating. I, I loved the, the act of writing the book, but promoting and marketing it, that's been a different story. That's been much more difficult and a whole different animal. Uh, the one chapter that I may be most proud of where I really needed to stretch myself um, is probably allyship. Uh, the, the idea of power of sports in society, and especially both at the macro and the micro level, about how the history of our nation really does mirror the history of sport in our nation and, and baseball specifically, as you talk about breaking the color barrier with Jackie Robinson and some of the issues that we've faced in sport um, that we've seen in, happening in society. And, and sometimes sports has been on the front end of tackling and addressing those issues before society was even ready for it. And that's where the, the power of um, a mentoring, caring adult as a coach or even that that teammate can make all the difference in a person's life as we pull together people from all different walks of life uh, that might look different, might worship different, you know, all the different identities that we have and we pull them together. Um, on a team to to play together for a common cause and a common goal. That's really where I think the magic of sport happens. And that was a, a chapter that did stretch me, but that I was really proud of in part of in part because of some of the experiences that I had and some of the opportunities I've had to play with with wonderful people that taught me so much. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of the feedback you've gotten. The book's been out for I think you put it out in early October. Is that correct? Yeah, right at the beginning of, of October so it came out. So um, it's a small sample size just yet, but it's not quite two months. But what sort of feedback have you gotten? It's probably been the most rewarding part of the process. You know, just completing the book and publishing it um, was a wonderful experience and feeling. But what's even topped it is the diversity of feedback in terms of people who have reached out unsolicited, um, a 14-year-old that I had the pleasure of coaching youth hockey, telling me how much he enjoyed it, um, to the next day, um, a, a school custodian coming in and saying he couldn't put the book down and how much he loved it. And then from former school board members and former co-workers, um, and then some wonderful endorsements along the way. Uh, Joel Maturi is just a wonderful human being, and he's been a fantastic supporter and uh, advocate and promoter for me. Uh, so I think that's been the best part is is hearing these um, these stories from people of all walks of life um, and unsolicited, just stopping by the office or stopping by the school, sending an email or, or even a phone call to say how much that they've really valued it and enjoyed it. That's great. That's great. Uh, let's talk about, you know, I think you're the one that put this on my, I didn't realize this, but you said November is the big, or November, December are the two biggest book selling months in the, in the, uh, on the calendar. Is that right? Did I get that from you? Yeah. And that was um, new information for me in the, in the last two months too. Like, as I mentioned before, promoting and marketing is totally different than, than writing a book. And um, so another growth opportunity for me has been learning more about that process. And with the holiday season, coming up, more books are purchased in November and December than any other time of the year, which makes sense when you think about it. Uh, but this is really the big time of year um, for, for authors and for, for book sales. 
So with that said, uh, the book is called Chasing Influence, Transformational Coaching to Build Champions for Life. It is published by, is it Junto Press? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Junto Press. Okay. Where is it available to purchase? The, the best place to purchase is uh, online, Amazon.com. Um, easiest for delivery and uh, lowest prices you'll find they'll be on Amazon. And any kind of events or signings in the works here before the before the year is out? Working on a couple different events, um, but need uh, need more local opportunities. Uh, I'm happy to be in Arizona this weekend at a baseball conference, and then uh, Orlando for a national AD conference in December. Um, and there's some some really good positive local bookstores that I'm working with for for an opportunity, but nothing's on the books yet. Wonderful. Well, Troy, I wish you all the best. Uh, any any uh, thoughts here in closing that we didn't get to that you thought we might? No, I just really appreciate the opportunity, and for um, anyone that's like I said, looking for some different a different way of um, of exploring their own life journey and what really um, success means and, and what a life of significance is. Um, I think you might enjoy the story and the way that uh, that it's written in a narrative nonfiction historical um, fiction format to uh, tell a good story with some great life lessons along the way. Oh, that's great. That's great. Troy Erdahl, the still baseball coach over at St. Anthony Village and also the AD. Am I, am I getting all of your uh, many titles correct? You've got it right. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Very good. Well, it's a pleasure speaking with you. I've, I've enjoyed our interactions over the years, so I was happy to to reach out and, and do what I could and with the help of the Talking Preps podcast, or I guess now the Talking Books podcast <laughs> through the Star Tribune. And I hope that uh, it helps set, uh, put the word out wide and, and some people can get get this book and, and dial into all the many good life lessons that, that are available. Thank you, David. I yeah. appreciate it. Congratulations again. Thanks for the time. Pleasure to be joined today by Reed Larson, the uh, – I don't even know where to start with your credentials, Reed. It's 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 a long, distinguished list. Four-time NHL All-Star. Yeah, just old. Just well, <laughs> you, you're not. You're experienced, not old. You're experienced. Uh, but yeah, it's, okay, it's it. four-time NHL All-Star with the Detroit Red Wings as a defenseman. Uh, first uh, first American uh, to in the modern era to make an All-Star team in the NHL, and then uh, you you retired a fifth all-time in goals by a defenseman. And you were the first American at any position to have 200 career goals. So that's, but not bad for a Minneapolis boy, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, Sibley Park and uh, Standard School, Falwell, Roosevelt. So I, you know, I, it's funny because I just did a little uh, speech engagement at the Richfield Optimist Club uh, the other morning, and it was a lot of fun. And we were talking about where you grow up, you know, and the coaches we had, and and so forth, and all the different sports. So. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up in a very, I was very lucky at the time and the, and the kind of, I call it a nest because, you know, we had all kinds of sports. It was free. The coaches were, were good, donated their time. And uh, it was a time where, you know, I don't want to say it was innocent, but, you know, it was, we didn't have a lot of problems to worry about. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. Oh, um, and, and I'd like to get to some of that here as we talk, but I'm curious. So the book is The Shot, the Reed Larson Hockey Story. And it's as told by Reed Larson and Jeff Olson. Jeff Olson being the author, I'm wondering if he, if he came to you with the idea and, and what his vision was initially that, that sold you to, to partner with him in doing the book. Yeah, and I don't know how he found me, but he showed up at my office one day and uh, 
started, you know, introducing himself and talking about doing a book. And my first reaction, to be honest with you, Dave, was, you know, I'm, I'm not Wayne Gretzky. I'm not Ray Lemieux or, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But something, or, you know, Michael Jordan, Tom Bay, whatever. So I said, you know, I said, no, not, not really too interested in doing something like that. And I just, I felt funny. Uh, sure. Not, nothing to do with him. But we talked about other Minnesota, you know, Ross Bernstein, other books that were written, you know, teams, players, the state high school tournament that, and he started asking, you know, about my career and and so forth. And uh, I said, yeah, I, you know, it was fun. It was great. I played. I had, I loved it. I had a passion for it. And just uh, nobody forced me to do it. And I had pictures of Bobby Hull and Bobby Orr in my bedroom for years. You know, big. <laughs> I mean, big posters, like three foot by two and a half feet posters. Sure. So it was, you know, and I think the Blackhawks were the first hockey team I could see on TV. And you might correct me if I'm wrong, but it was before the North Stars came. So, it was, you know, I was born in 56. So I would say it was in the early or the mid 60s somewhere yeah. on uh, Sunday game of the week. And uh, and then, you know, and on the weekends, we'd look forward to that. So, you know, we had heroes and mentors. And so it, back to what he was trying to portray to me is that, you know, you have a story to tell, you know, your shot and which, you know, I didn't know it would turn out like it did. And Jack Bladowitz, you know, put his input, but, but I, he he convinced me that you know might help some young player aspire or reach his goals like what the other guys did for me when you know when I was growing up. So sure. that was kind of the kicker. So. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, you know I, I should point out one of the uh, credentials that I didn't mention: member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. So that was uh, your 1997. Uh, Six. In, it's, excuse yeah, me, 1996, 1996 induction. induction. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. went up to Avalon. That was a nice time. Yeah, you know, one of the things you talked about, maybe setting, uh, you know, giving an up-and-coming player something to shoot for um, yourself, one of the things that struck me is that you have a multi-sport background, and it's not just sports that most people would associate as a, a making a, a, a jump to hockey. Tell, tell us a little bit about the kind of your unique youth sports path that you took. Yeah, yeah, yeah lucky. My, 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 my father was a... a, a truck driver and my mom worked at Sears but on the weekends my mom's dad or my grandfather left us in a bottle cabin I think in 1956 the year I was born uh, for like $1,600 or something like that on, <laughs> on Lake Pulaski in Buffalo Minnesota so every weekend we pack up the car and uh, he'd get home on Friday my dad we'd go and come home Sunday night and we spent the whole weekend in the water you know water skiing swimming whatever it took you know and then uh Summertime, we'd go out to Bloomington Ice Gardens when I got a little older and play hockey. Uh, Denny May was a, kind of our hockey godfather at Bloomington Ice Gardens. And, you know, we open hockey, they call it. So guys from all over the suburbs in Minneapolis, we'd make up teams, no supervision, and play. Nice. Played football. You know, went to YMCA camps and had gymnastics. I think catch him. We had a state championship at Roosevelt for trampoline, high bar, something. His last name was Ketchum. I, I, but anyways, he was my counselor, so... I was into gymnastics probably at eight, nine, ten years old, doing high bar trampoline. So I was water skiing. I, I wrestled. I played football. I played hockey. And you know, Wayne Gretzky said it best. He says, "I, I, you know, as great as he is, he hung up his skates in June for the whole summer." You know what I mean? Sure. It was very interesting. I thought when he when he said that. So, but yes, yeah, so I was lucky. <clears throat> All the sports were free. Great people, you know. Great people coaching them and. So we've, you know, I think that really helped uh, develop a lot of different things for me for sports wise. The book Jeff was very 
uh, very uh, detail oriented, very statistics oriented. He and I think he was he was making a case for where you fit into the story of the NHL, so to speak. And one of the things where I've kind of boiled it down to, and tell me if this is on point or if, if there's anything you want to add or correct, but you're kind of a, a defenseman that played in an era, the way you played, an offensive defenseman, you were kind of a bridge between what Bobby Orr started and then what we went on to see from people like Paul Coffey and Phil Housley. Is that about the right way to characterize your spot in the NHL story? Yeah, I would agree. You know, I have to mention too, and a lot of times we forget, but you know, we, you know, we, I had heroes or mentors in the pros, but also at high school and college. So I'll never forget Henry Boucher playing for War Road. You know what I mean? In the state tournament. And yeah. He went on to play for the Red Wings and wore the headband and was a very, very good player. And so, you know, and when you talk about offensive defensemen, you know, they'll never be Bobby Orr. I'm sorry. I love the other defensemen that you mentioned and a lot of great offensive defensemen, but you know, and Bobby Orr really controlled the game and was the, was the change of, he changed the position. You know, right. It's kind of like uh, Curry for basketball, those three pointers. I think that was, you know, he just did it automatic. So just, there are guys, there are, you know, players and uh, that, that make such an impact. And I think definitely Bobby Orr, but Paul Coffey, I love watching him skate, play, gifted, you know, you go on a list, McGinnis, you know, Chelios, Leach, Brian Leach. Yeah. But I, you know, there was guys ahead of us, you know, Gary Sargent, Steve Jensen. There's a, a year or two ahead, you know, not far, but I think Williams from Duluth, you know, there, you go back, you know, wouldn't it have been fun to see John Mayasic, you know, he, I think he went into the service and he worked for Hubbard Broadcasting, but, yeah. you know, you hear stories about, a, talk about an athlete. It doesn't no, matter sure. what he picked up or what he played. He was unbelievable and he oozes class. The guy is amazing. So. Yeah, I, I, a quick, I, I've spent time around him as you have. I just, I just, like you said, oozes class. I I remember I was up in Eveleth. I spent the day with him. We golfed. We hung out with some of his buddies up there. And at the end, about 7 o'clock, it was time for me to go back because, you know, it's a three-hour drive back to the Twin Cities. But I didn't want to leave because it was such a special day. I didn't want it to end. <laughs> yeah, and he, he's got some good walleye spots, too, up there. I don't feel sure him, but I went to school with this kid. You know, his, his boys, his, uh, his sons were with me at the U at the same time, so I had fun with them. And they were great, too. They were wonderful. So Sure. Really nice. You mentioned Sibley Park yeah. in Minneapolis. I'd be remiss if I didn't say what I should have said from the beginning. You're a product of uh, – uh, Roosevelt High School uh, in Minneapolis. So. Yeah. Um, I always remember, too, you know, the Sibley Park, you know, my mom packed a lunch or something. You could go down there all day. You know, you had parents, sure. nobody supervised. You know, you're 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever, just go down and on the weekend all day long. And uh, I, and I just mentioned the other day, I, I just can't believe it when I look back, you know, so, I, you know, I was on my first hockey team. You know, they, they didn't have mites. They called it peewees for years, you know, but six, yeah. seven years old. And uh, we'd stand on the boards in the snow watching Roosevelt High School practice. And they were pretty good back then in the sure. 60s, too, you know. And the Hall Brothers, Hall Brothers all over. There's Hall Brothers kind of from the Nokomis side. There's Hall Brothers right a couple blocks. Stevie Hall played at the U. But the high school guys for Roosevelt, one of the prerequisites or man, was like mandatory. Once you finished your practice, you had to coach one of the little league teams. Oh, okay. You had like four of them. And they, you know, there'd be one or, you know, they'd, they'd gang up for one or two players on the team with coach one and another two players. And I had Steve of the Hall brothers, <laughs> Steve Hall, H-A-L-L. And uh, I, I'll never forget. They were great guys. It was a lot of fun. And, and, and just think high school after players, after finishing their practice, then have to coach 
you know, for another hour, hour and a half outside. Sure. Uh, the young kids, the peewees. So I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, that continuity is invaluable. And that, that's, that's what, you know, b- yeah. puts that bug in, in a young hockey player. Like, hey, you know, I, I, that guy, I know that guy. He coaches, the high school guy coaches me. And so you hear it a lot that, yes, you have some guys that had posters of NHL players, but it was big to to the local heroes that you could see and interact with. It, that, that was a big deal for kids in, 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 those, in those days. And, and, and ta- a credit to you for, for being part of that continuum. That's, 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 uh, that's, uh, that's important. It, and it's funny because you always remember the dads shoveling. You know, they, I don't know how they <laughs> stood on the boards outside in the wintertime watching, watching you play. Because when I, you know, you look now and they had the, a lot of times they just had the rubber zip-on boots over their shoes or whatever. You know, <laughs> they, they, they were tough. But, and then it's snow, right? So they get out and, you know, they didn't skate usually. They just were on their feet pushing shovels and shoveling off the rink, and then you start in again. So a lot of great memories. I think I lost my first tooth at 14, 13 or 14 down there, so it's pretty funny. <laughs> One of the chapters in the book is, is dedicated to breaking down your thunderous slap shot, and it was a, a – Anal- uh, uh, sorry, the analysis was provided by none other, none other than the hockey mad scientist himself, Jack Blatherwick. And I remember we we had uh, been at a book signing together at, at Barnes and Noble in Edina, uh, and I guess it was in October. And you talked yep. about some. You kind of started to to show a little bit of, of what what goes into that slap shot, the foundation of it, and, and everything else. So, and but so the book ex- explains all that too. Yeah, it does. And we did a little pamphlet too. That's that, you know, short version that you can give to peewees, bannons, high school kids, young kids, and give an idea because Dave, you know, everybody has today, everybody's pretty balanced. Today's player in the NHL can all skate, pass, shoot, you know, they're really balanced. You don't have one or two, your top line and a couple of good lines, you know, you have, uh, you know, you have four good lines, you know, so the intensity throughout the game, and it is really, really good. So when I, but I get back to specialized back then. You know, one guy's a stick handler, one guy shoots, one guy's a fighter, one guy's a shot blocker, roving goalie. You know, nowadays everybody's balanced. So for me, you know, you obviously thank God for Herbie Brooks and some of the Bob Turner for coaching, you know, power skating, edges, you know, teaching you skating. But I just spent a lot of time, you know, uh, experimenting for some reason, shooting the puck harder and harder and harder and from long range, you know, you're trying to shoot the, hit the end of the boards in the air when you're a kid, you know, when you're a kid, you know, like 10, 11, 12, you know, so right. you're curving sticks, you're experimenting, you're, you're playing with tennis balls, rubber pucks, hard pucks, you know, shooting off mini boggins in the garage and, you know, just something that I, you know, just like to do. And, uh, and then uh, coupled with all the other sports, you know, water skiing, barefoot, slalom course, you know, wrestling, gymnastics, they make you do, you know, hockey, they make you do wind sprints on your legs. Well, if you're, you know, if you're a wrestler in gymnastics, you know, they're working a lot of upper body too, you know, yeah, so core strength, handstand yeah. pushups and yeah, just all kinds of stuff. So it helped with the uh, coordination and balance, uh, you know, unbelievable. For so, sure. I mean, uh, yeah. And I didn't know it. And so what Jack gets, gets around to saying is, you know, Reed was training all through his youth years, and when he matured, it all came on later, and he didn't even know it. And he's right. I sure. didn't. I just enjoyed and had a blast doing it, you know. So. One of the things that I enjoyed, it wasn't actually in the book, but it was something I came across years ago from Patrick Royce, my colleague here at the Star Tribune. I, it was 1997 was the column, and it was it, the, the hook was it was 
kind of the end of the Roosevelt hockey program at that time. But they had a great anecdote in there that that starred your big shot. You were you had gone to practice to uh, skate with the Roosevelt kids, and they had a goalie who was basically like thrust into the job, and he he, uh, he didn't have the proper equipment at the time, but he had heard about your slap shot and wanted to see one, and so. Uh, the uh, Stan Hubbard tells the story in in the column here that Patrick wrote, and he said that the goalie is a great kid, but he but he's out there with regular skates, not goalie skates. He'd heard about Reed's slap shot, wanted to face one. Reed took it from the far blue line, and it was still sizzling. It caught the poor kid on the toe. I think. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yes, I do. And and it happened more than once. You know, every once in a while, you'd get a kid to try out. To- for you know, goaltending position, new kid, sure. and you look and you see he's got regular skate on. You know, back then, you know, if you wore your skates long enough, wet enough, they were leather, and they didn't always have a hard toe cap, or maybe it was just plastic. But you know, they were pretty soft and squishy. And I'd look, and these kids would have their their goalie pads up, you know, pretty high, and they're wearing regular skates. And you go, oh, you know, this guy's in trouble. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it happened at the U, and it happened, like you said, in high school. Uh, in both places. And, uh, yeah. And, and like I said, you, you know, the, the equipment has to be good, especially nowadays, my goodness, but yeah, it, it happened. And I, I remember I, we didn't see him after that day either anymore. <laughs> I think he quit after that day, so. So, so you weren't always growing the sport. You, you were also decimating the ranks, <laughs> but no, but, um, yeah. the, uh, yeah. the, it, I, I would want to mention here that the proceeds for uh, sales of the book will be contributed to the ranch teammates for life, uh, of Mark Pavlich. Uh, he had, he had suffered, uh, he had brain injury issues and, and he has unfortunately passed on, but, but that was, that's something that clearly you and Jeff felt strong enough about that you wanted to, to partner with them and, and, and support them financially in some way th- through proceeds from the book. And they've been real receptive and, and positive about it too. And you know, Jeff and I obviously didn't do do the book to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. You, you know, everybody hopes to make a little money and so forth. I mean, not to be sarcastic, but you know, the bottom line is to help kids who want to play and move on to the next level. To help this mental illness facility up that they started up in, in Mark Pavlich's name, Dave Brooks has done a, a really good job too. Also and helping out. And, uh, so yeah, we thought, you know what, you know, why not? This is a great cause. And uh, if we can help in any way, and uh, it seemed like it would fit. And so it was, it's a win-win situation. The book is the shot, the Reed Larson hockey story as told by Reed Larson and Jeff Olson. It is published by where the heck is it? Uh, all-star hockey press. FHP. And all-star hockey press. Yep. And I got your book and I'm reading it. I love that state tournament. That <laughs> is well, thank really you. interesting. That is really a lot of fun. I appreciate I, it. I, I tell you what, it's that's the kind of book I like to read. I, honest, I'm not a big book reader, but uh, I'm having fun looking through that. It's where really do you, nice. where do people want to get your that. book? Well, the, Amazon and uh, sure. you know, there's uh, Bill Bill St. Mains. You know, I grew up skating yep. and sharpening and buying sticks. Bill St. Mains, Sporting Goods, South Minneapolis, Amazon. Sure. Uh, Dave Jensen, what's his, uh, he's going to kill me. I keep forgetting his, uh, <laughs> his, his hockey thing. Uh, David Jensen played at the U, you know, and, uh, okay. they always got a lot of news and hockey news and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few places you can get it. Oh, uh, Barnes and Noble, of course, yep. you can get it there too. So yeah. I'd mentioned but, that uh, I'd met you at a, at a signing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What'd you say? Yeah. 
It was fun. Yeah, I'd met yeah, you there. Fun. I'd met you there. I'm, I'm wondering if did you have any events coming up because November and December are big book buying months. So are there any events people can come out and see you, maybe get a book signed, something like that? Not at this time. We were going to okay. do one at the Wild, but I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. I hate. I don't like sitting there promoting like that. I mean, uh, I don't know. It just feels funny. I can't help it. It's just. I know Jeff will probably wants to shoot me, but it's just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it, just send me an email. It, the talk, it talks. <laughs> give them my email. Yeah, it talks in the book yeah. about being a humble superstar. So you, you, you're still true to form in that regard. So I appreciate. So, yeah, thanks for the time. Yeah, yeah, it's been good to have you on, Breed. Thank you. All the best with the book, and uh, congratulations. And uh, appreciate very much being here and sharing some time with us. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.